Before we get into this episode, I just want to say a big thank you to our supporters, Festival Republic. You've probably spent a weekend in a field with them at some point. They put on some of the UK's best known festivals. They're also leading when it comes to sustainability. This year, they're collaborating with Music Declares Emergency to transition their event power to grid energy and are displaying the carbon footprint of the food on sale. They've already switched single-use plastic bottles to those made from recycled materials, brought in deposit return schemes for cups and are zero waste to landfill. They're actively engaged in greening the music industry through Vision 2025, a body bringing outdoor events and climate goals together. Sounds Like a Plan is all about ideas and solutions, so it made sense to me to team up with one of the most proactive festival organisers out there. One of their main events is Download, which takes place in Donington Park, Leicestershire from the 10th to the 12th of June 2022. The lineup is basically every heavy music fan's dream and tickets are on sale now. Head to downloadfestival.co.uk forward slash tickets to get yours. That's downloadfestival.co.uk forward slash tickets. So big up Festival Republic for their support and their essential work. They say their job is to preserve the live music experience for generations to come. And that is something we can all get behind. Hello and welcome to Sounds Like a Plan, a podcast all about how the music world is taking action in the climate crisis. My name is Greg Cochran. I'm a journalist and podcaster. And I'm Faye Milton, a musician, producer and co-founder of Music Declares Emergency. And here we are back with a brand new series of the podcast. So happy to bring you more. Yeah, we can't wait to share a new set of inspiring conversations and we'll be bringing you new podcasts for the next 10 weeks. But today we start with our guest, Nikki Hawkins, an expert in mainstream climate communication, discussing the role of storytelling, language and where music fits into the climate conversation and climate action. That was a super interesting chat and we'll also have a preview of what you can expect for the rest of the series of the podcast. It wouldn't be Sounds Like a Plan without some recommendations as well, so we'll have some of those. Great to have you with us, so let's get into the podcast. Welcome back to everyone listening. Big welcome to anyone joining us on the podcast for the first time. And welcome back to you, Faye, the start of our third series. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I feel like it's the sun shining now. At the end of the last series, it was um, post COP26 and it was all feeling very dark and cold and a bit like bleak. But yeah, I'm feeling positive. I'm feeling like the sun is shining and, and we can get on with some good work this year. TV style I think that we should um, probably do a quick recap of what we've done before previously on sounds like a plan <laughs> yeah that was good Faye. it was good um last time we were together on the podcast it, um, like you said it was the beginning of December 2021 it was that post cop 26 moment speaking personally a bit of a strange mix of feelings at the end of last year we enjoyed bringing you some brilliant conversations on the podcast on series two um, I should say they are still all available to listen to wherever you're listening to this we were discussing music and climate with the likes of Brian Eno Ailey McLaughlin Jess Kangley, Charlotte Church, Sam Carter. Um, it was brilliant. Um, but the end of last year was a strange one. I kind of felt both very tired and very invigorated by uh, everything that we'd done last year um, and COP26. Um, but I don't think that's kind of uncommon when you're when you're kind of 
working or your head is in this space is it it's kind of like that that mixture of, of feelings absolutely not no it's, it's a massive roller coaster and I think probably everyone's on that roller coaster to some extent if you turn on the news and you hear about climate change then you're it, it hits you and, you and you have to be on you either take it like oh yeah we'll, we'll probably work it out it'll be fine or sometimes it hits you and you're like oh god like everything's going to be destroyed and, and it's the end of the world so it's it it does like I certainly swing from one side to the other on that spectrum um at fairly regular intervals but yeah I'm filling back up on the positive one at the moment <laughs> good good um so yeah after the last series we took a we took a break we recharged our batteries before thinking about this new series of the podcast um i'll mention it right up front before we, we get into talking about other stuff but um outside of the podcast you can follow us on social media we are sounds like a plan podcast on instagram and you can also email us at sounds like a plan podcast at gmail.com before we tell you about some of what you can expect from this series of the podcast um Faye, i want to mention a couple of notable headlines from the world of music and climate action that have happened while we've been away um Coldplay's game-changing world tour has started um <laughs> didn't didn't take me long to mention Coldplay did it no. <laughs> um regular listeners to the podcast will know that their work in sustainability is um a huge interest of mine the band have brought in an ambitious 12-step sustainability plan for their music of the spheres world tour we've mentioned it on the podcast before the eye-catching plans include stuff like a kinetic dance floor where the audience are generating clean energy to power the show um Anyway, the news is that after all the talk, it has started in Costa Rica earlier this month. Hopefully, um, there will be more to chat about as it approaches Europe this summer. Um, but it's very exciting to me because it could form a blueprint for um, larger scale live events of the future that are far better for the planet. One other thing, back in January, Rihanna pledged $15 million to climate justice organisations doing work in the Caribbean nations and the US. In a statement that she shared at the time, Rihanna said, climate disasters, which are growing in frequency and intensity, do not impact all communities equally, with communities of colour and island nations facing the brunt of climate change. Um, injustice, as we know, is obviously absolutely at the heart of all of this. And the spotlight um, put on the issue of climate justice by somebody of Rihanna's uh, profile is really significant, isn't it? When you saw that, what did you think, Faye? I just thought, I, I mean, I love Rihanna anyway. And I just thought it's such a, a positive move. It's a, a big whack of money. Um, and it's also sort of just felt like it's going to the exact right places, um, which is really important. I think we talk about climate change still as a bit of a future thing. I mean, I don't I look at the crazy weather that we, we have around the world and, and realise it's now, but it's still people talk about it in terms of our children's children and stuff like that and it's really really absolutely couldn't be further from the truth in island nations where it's you know they're going underwater quite literally um so and just those extreme weather events are completely destructive so um so yeah brilliant i mean yes rihanna amazing and i think also the 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 invigoration of energy and excitement around climate causes can really be pushed by someone as star studded as Rihanna, you know, someone that it's a well loved um idol in the music industry and yeah, it's it really brings a bit of stardust to people's causes. I'm sure there's a lot of groups who are getting money from Rihanna who 
not only benefit from the money, but also benefit from saying Rihanna has funded this because she's sort of endorsed that project. So it's, um, yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. So your, your homework this week, Faye, is to go and get Rihanna to come on the podcast. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Can we have ASAP Rocky as well? We'll get them both on. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Final major headline, obviously biggest of them all, is the fact that Sounds Like a Plan is back for a new series. <laughs> Massive news. Massive, Massive news, Greg. <laughs> yeah. I should say, why why now for a new series of the podcast? Well, there is so much stuff happening throughout April and May of this year. We want to talk about as much of that as possible, not least Earth Day coming up on Friday, the 22nd of April. Now, Faith, shall we give uh, listeners a bit of a flavour of what's coming up over the next few weeks? Absolutely. So in terms of guests that are going to be coming on Sounds Like a Plan, we have got Professor Ed Hawkins, who is a world famous climate scientist, inventor of the Warming Stripes visualisation and one of the lead authors on the most recent IPCC report. He's also a collaborator with the likes of Enter Shikari, which is a bit of a surprising one for some people. Yeah, I was quite starstruck speaking to him actually, because he's like a real actual climate scientist. Um, who, Absolutely. Big deal. Big deal. He's a big deal. He was uh, one of the authors of the IPCC report, which is the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, which is basically the absolute dons of climate science, um, mm. who bring out the reports that terrify everyone. And yeah, it's like that's the real, the real shit. <laughs> if I'm, I'm allowed really, to swear. Really is. <laughs> You can, of course you can. It's your okay. podcast. Um, yeah, Ed was, was was fantastic. We can't wait to share that conversation with you. Um, Jasper Awani is also coming on the podcast. Um, Jasper is a musician, activist, community organiser, founder of the Lango Indigenous Hip Hop Project. On the podcast, he's going to be discussing the role of culture, storytelling and action on the front line of the climate crisis in Uganda. Um Pip Miller and Rachel Ammer, a pair of absolute legends in conversation together mm -hmm. on the podcast. Um, as many listeners will know, Pip's a very fast rising British songwriter. Rachel's hugely popular and influential in the food world. And they're going to be discussing uh, bringing veganism and music together. That one was that's really, really interesting topic to get into. Yeah, that's an absolutely mouthwatering episode of the podcast. Every single dish they talked about sounded so delicious that I think my mouth was watering whilst I was listening to them. I know, I know. I really want to go in. Uh, I want to go and see their food truck in action. Um, listeners will be able to hear about that on on the episode that we've recorded with them. Um, we've also got Max Richter and Julia Mayer. Um, you'll be hearing about their groundbreaking green recording space and studio in Oxfordshire, which sounds really, really interesting. It's called Studio Richter Mayer. Um, plus some other surprises as the series goes on. So lots and lots of great stuff coming up over over the next few weeks on Sounds Like a Plan. Shall we get into our first guest of the series, Faye? Yes, let's absolutely launch right into it. <laughs> let's do it. So Nikki Hawkins is Communications Director at On Road Media, who are an organisation who specialise in helping people to be heard in the way that they want to be heard. Um, they work on topics like climate change and other social issues, and basically they help people to engage audiences on topics like that. So in this, we're talking about words and language and stories and why it matters in the climate emergency and how they play an enormous role in all of this. Nikki works with all sorts of different areas, TV, film, social media, and obviously very relevant to us, music. Um, and I think this is a conversation that's a great place to start the series and a reminder that music is mass communication, shared global language that is incredibly powerful. Um, so we'll have a chat after this fate, but this is Nikki Hawkins on Sounds Like a Plan.
Nikki, welcome to the podcast. Um, you work in an area that is slap bang in the middle of why we started making Sounds Like a Plan in the first place. Um, and that's kind of because we were asking ourselves, what is music, what is culture's role in the climate crisis? Uh, and we don't just mean in a practical way, so obviously sustainability, things like energy and travel and materials, but also in terms of its influence. So it's sort of unique, transformative power, if, if, if that makes sense. Um, and, and how it can communicate with people in a meaningful way about the climate crisis. With that in mind, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and introduce the work of On Road Media? Yeah, absolutely. I think you set that up really nicely because I think personally for me, one of the most important um, but exhausting aspects of taking climate action um, is how we talk about it and how we persuade others and how we engage with others. Um, and it's easy to feel ground down by that, to feel like we're not making enough progress, um, we're not making things change fast enough. Um, so my organisation is all about providing support for people who want to use their voice, use their influence, want to create change via how they talk about the climate crisis. So we draw on lots of insight and experience um, and we help people to have the effect that they want to have when they talk about climate change um, because it's really easy to get it wrong and I know I've been there many many times um, and to think that you're being heard in one way whereas actually people might be hearing something else completely different or they might not be hearing you at all. Um, so we're all about helping people to recognise that what we say and how we say it is a real source of kind of power and influence and it's really central to our ability to create change. Mm. And can you give us some examples of like platforms or channels or the, the types of things you're talking about there? Are we talking about television shows? Are we talking about individuals who have like big social media followings? Are we talking about all of these things? What, what type of communications are we talking about? Yeah, so all of those things um, matter hugely because they kind of add up to the kind of the ocean of uh, noise that we hear and the kind of the stories that we hear about climate change and about other issues. Um, so we work with people who do lots of different types of roles um, from artists who want to use their platform for good to uh, TV uh producers and uh, commissioners to help them to think about what type of content is going to be uh, effective and engaging. So we've, we've done quite a lot of work with the BBC. Uh, we've done work with people who have, um, you know, a large platform. Um, but we also work with grassroots community organisations who are um, striving for really important changes locally and focusing on kind of the, the, the policy and institutional changes that need to happen to, to address the climate crisis. I really like how you describe it as an, an ocean of information because even just saying that's just made me think about how our ideas about something so massive as climate change come from lots and lots of little snippets everywhere so it's you don't just hear the story once and you think oh okay I understand it now because it's so vast so you just everyone's kind of tapestry of different tidbits of information they've picked up along the way or, or more deeper sort of programs they've watched or books they've read will build everyone's individual perspective and so I guess the work you're doing is helping to shape what that looks like as a whole is that correct absolutely yeah absolutely so it's about those overall narratives that are mm. formed of lots of different individual stories and um, ideas and creative 
things that emerge into our worlds and into our homes and our hearts. Um, and very often they can be quite fragmented. Um, so people are saying a lot of things about important issues that they're passionate about. Um, but if there's not some degree of consistency, and that, that doesn't have to kind of be as boring as that sounds, but if there aren't ideas and core sentiments that we get to engage with again and again and again, um, we're unlikely to feel kind of compelled to think or do differently um, because our brains sort of process the world through repetition. Um, mm. And often if we, if we think something uh, it's because we've heard it a thousand times. So how do we kind of drown out those those stories, those ideas that, that might not be that helpful or conducive to addressing the big challenges we face with stories that allow us to, to move forward and to make progress and to think we can create change? I think that's one of the biggest barriers is the degree of fatalism and resignation that we're all kind of swimming in to go back to my ocean um metaphor um so how do we replace that with a sense of kind of can do um and a sense that yes these are big enormous global challenges but there are things that we can all do and and change is possible i guess thinking it from a, a sound and music perspective when you've got all of those tiny bits of information that and not sort of harmonising together and creating a single message, that's literally the definition of noise. And, and that noise, I guess, can make people feel completely overwhelmed and confused. So you're trying to create great music from the noise, Nikki. <laughs> or at least that a little exactly tune. That is exactly it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, a, that's a really wonderful analogy for it. We're looking to go from a cacophony to a symphony mm. when it comes to the sort of story the stories we share and the passion we have around the climate crisis and because that's what does and will move people and shift things. Faye, that's definitely the best analogy we've ever had on the podcast. I, I, if our listeners could see us, we, we were all nodding going, that's good. <laughs> um, what, this is a simple question, but may, may, might have a complicated answer. I'm not sure. What, what do we know earlier on? You, you mentioned the phrase like effective and engaging storytelling around climate. What do we know about that? What is effective in engaging story storytelling around um, the climate crisis? And what has well, yeah? So what 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 is when has it been successful in the past? Yeah. So oh, so much to say about that. Um. So loads of research has been done looking at exactly that question, kind of what works when it comes to talking about climate change, and um, what works at a kind of individual level, what works with people who might have particular uh, characteristics or beliefs, um, but also what works for most people, what works across the board at a kind of population level. And so my organisation, we, we felt that there was a lot of kind of insight and research out there, but there wasn't that much to sort of distill it and make it kind of clear and useful and um, actionable for people who are doing the kind of work that you're doing really and, and many others are doing and trying to trying to get a message out there and trying to be effective in their communications. So we distilled um, a lot of research into six basic principles for um, what works when it comes to talking about climate change. And I've, I've touched on one of them already, uh, but the kind of the biggest most important principle is to kind of make it doable and not to assume that if you just tell people how bad it is that that will ignite um, change and inspire action and 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 you know changes to how people um, think and feel um, because that sort of sense of, of fatalism and and resignation is is real um, so we need to move away from only kind of 
stating the problem, elaborating on the problem, um, waxing lyrical about the problem, and instead balance the, the degree of urgency with the degree of agency we have collectively. Um, so we always say it's about making it doable. It's about being can do. I really like the name of your podcast on that basis, um, because we do have plans. We do have an ability to create change. And it's really easy to forget about that. So there's a, there's five other principles, but that's kind of one of the biggest and most important ones. Um, and, and it kind of goes counter to our intuition often because um, if we really care about something we can assume that if we just tell people if we just tell people loudly enough how bad this is that that will be the thing that that unlocks action and um, so much research and experience shows that, that that's not necessarily the case. I really love that idea of balancing the de- balancing the degree of urgency with the degree of agency so to me that's like painted this amazing sort of balanced beautiful sort of libra picture in my head but for someone who's not thinking about this every single day and, and having those words um fully fleshed out yet what what would that look like so if you were going to say a message then you say perhaps this is a problem but you could do this about it is that is that what that means yes as a fellow libra i um i also I'm, I'm drawn to the um, the scales and the balance here. Um, and I want to be clear that it's absolutely not about pretending everything's okay. That is really not in anyone's interest and is not going to achieve anything. Um, but it's about whenever we have a kind of ounce of urgency of saying the climate crisis is real and it's already having um, incredibly harmful effects, um, we add an ounce of but there are things we as a society can do about it and being as specific as possible. So um, particularly when it comes to actually the things that leaders need to do. So governments need to do and businesses need to do. Um, So we move away from this sense of, um, you know, a really strong and kind of undue focus on um, the small things that we can all do in our own lives only And instead, we kind of connect the dots for people and we actually allow people to think about this kind of the big transformations that we need to see moving away from fossil fuels altogether. You know, the leadership that's required to do that. We won't do that as a society unless we talk about it and unless we have ways to think Mm. about it. So repeating those kinds of messages um, and saying that these things can be done. You know, they sound they can sound Mm. big and they can sound overwhelming, but um, they are choices that can be made and actions that can be taken. Um, And, um, you know, that's that's really, really important that every time there's a every time there's an urgent message around the scale of the problem, we balance it with the things that we can do that are commensurate to tackling that problem. And I think there's a, a balance as well of the how complicated it is to fix, but also how simple it's like the the straightforward message of actually needing to get rid of fossil fuels is really it's pretty simple it's pretty straightforward and then people don't necessarily on a day-to-day basis have to worry about how the shipping industry is going to do it and how the music industry is going to do it and how the you know all sorts of different you know digital industries are going to do it you just need to know that we're all working towards this goal and rest assured there will be people in each industry working out the nuts and bolts of it so you know, we don't have to sit there in our armchairs and try and try and see the whole thing. It's you just need to know that there's a core sort of function that we're all working towards. Yeah, hundred percent. Because I don't know about you, but I don't know how the shipping industry works as it is, let alone how it could work differently. Um, but I do know that it can be done because 
you know this this change is possible and i think that we um this idea this big idea of phasing out fossil fuels has got to be more central to um communications on on climate change more generally i think that the diffuseness you know the the cacophony that we talked about can distract us um from um the the most important tasks at hand and you know the people with most responsibility and the institutions with most responsibility to um to lead the way um so i don't know if you you saw or talked about it but there was a story in the run up to cop around um you know lifestyle advice freezing your bread or whether or not you should wash your plates before they go in your dishwasher and and it was just a really good good slash bad example of a you know this is not the conversation we need to be having yes everyone can play a role and i think we all want to do things in our own lives and we want to learn about how we can reduce our own individual um impact but in the context of this global conference which is you know sealing all of our fates we really need to be setting our sights in a kind of slightly uh diff- to a different horizon than um mm-hmm. than the, the the freezing of bread and the the rinsing of plates um so that's another aspect of the framing that's really really important is can we show that big picture can we widen the lens can we engage people in those big systemic changes that we really need to see big kind of mainstream moments in climate communication don't come along that often and we have had one since uh, we last made a series of sounds like a plan and probably the most notable one is um is don't look up obviously um the the netflix movie i'm sure lots of listeners have seen this it's like netflix's second most watched movie of all time now like a bit of a watershed moment for mainstream climate communication and you you work with people in all sorts of spheres including those in like television and film um and I just want to get your perspective on that, what you what you made of that. I mean, lots of debate clearly about whether it was any good or not, but like focusing on the impact of the movie, yeah. the amount of people that saw it, the, the sort of the the um, the debate that it caused, the sort of discussion and, and the, the the general impact of that piece of, of culture. What, what did you make of that? Yeah, so I have mixed feelings um, and uh, it's hard to watch it um, and not uh, analyse every sort of decision they've made around the storyline and how they're presenting this this issue. Um, but I'm choosing to, to kind of overall see it as a positive thing that something that was such a big kind of TV event um, was was focused on you know it's a real game changer we haven't had the likes of that before that something's been so so big so star-studded um such a I mean as a piece of entertainment it was you know I enjoyed it I thought it was fun to watch some really hilarious performances um to have that focus on climate change is has has, has got to help um kind of keep us reawakened uh, uh, to, to the climate crisis. And I think there were some really nice moments in it. And you've seen some um, interesting examples of that kind of ricocheting through um, through culture and through politics. So Alex Sharma kind of quoted the last bit of the movie. He said, um, you know, the, the bit where Leonardo DiCaprio says, we really did have everything. Um, you know, he, he quotes that and, and in, in his speech and reflects on how that kind of... Um, spurred him forward in 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 his work thinking about um the aftermath of 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 cop 26 so i think that having those cultural moments and having such a strong focus on climate change is really important um that said um i do worry that it compounds this idea that we should resign ourselves to 
our current trajectory, that we are kind of destined to um, ignore the biggest threat facing humanity and that any attempt to, <laughs> to, to, to see it off and to, to tackle it um, are kind of, um, we're going to be thwarted through our own kind of sheer stupidity and that sort of slight sense of of laughing at people and 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 the divisiveness as well I think the kind of politicized um kind of the 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 polarized approach um yeah I I worry about that so I would really like to see the the a different version of the same story where actually what would it take to fix it you know what would it take to address it um I know that probably wouldn't be as funny, <laughs> but um, I think that we need we need to hear those stories. Um, we need to hear the stories where kind of you know it's an action movie, but we kind of we get the happy ending, and we need to hear that about the climate change uh, crisis. Previous to that, there was a sense that maybe audiences maybe didn't want films or content about this, mm. and and producers didn't want to make it, and and weirdly, it's, it's been this sort of massive sort of outsized success in a way that says like yeah audiences will will enjoy some kind of a comedy take on the climate crisis and also guess what there is like an unlimited amount of ways that you can come at this the angles that you can come at this story so suddenly I think a lot of sort of commissioners and editors and producers of I know that Adam McKay himself has effectively dedicated the rest of his career to now making content about the issue um that is interesting to me whether that's a watershed moment for you know are the floodgates opening now on 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 this type of storytelling is it'll be interesting to see what happens won't it I I completely agree and I think that's the game-changing it's aspect of it it's not what it did to people's kind of thinking in and of itself it's what it's um shown and opened us up to and it really does challenge the idea that the the biggest threat that humanity's ever faced is not a story people want to engage with which was obviously clearly not the case um it's just that we need to keep creatively experimenting with how we tell that story and how we approach it in ways that are entertaining and um, um, but also allow us to feel that sense of agency that is, is is so sorely missing sometimes yeah and do you think other types of culture can create a don't look up moment like could music could music culture create a don't look up moment yeah but I'd love it if they made it a less cheesy version of you know we looked up or we're looking up. I mean, no one's going to call it that, but like what would the, what would the expression <laughs> of that idea be that, you know, we, we do care, you know, we, we, we do care. Most of us um, are really live to this now and want to see action and are engaged. The, the issue is that it's hard um, and it's really, really complicated um, and the leadership's lacking. So what's the, what's the story? What's the creative expression of kind of, um, leaders, we're we're looking to you, and we want it. Can can you can you get on with it, please? Like that's that's what I'd love to see. Maybe a kind of a version of holding out for a hero is speaking to that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. Interesting to hear um, some of your thoughts, Nikki, on the idea of, of framing or, or reframing. I suppose, like in terms of this this idea of of, of coming at the same problem or the issue or story or whatever, but from a different angle. Um, I think what's been interesting in the conversations we've had with a lot of people on the podcast today in the music world has been that of, of a sense of kind of reluctance to speak on on the climate crisis um, for a few different reasons. You know, maybe they think that they don't know enough. Um, maybe they're worried about getting labelled as a hypocrite or anything else on social media or something if they talk about it. 
I was wondering what your thoughts are when you come to to work with people, particularly those in the public eye, about reframing that. Like, how do you reframe a lot of that? What feels almost inbuilt negativity that comes along with the idea of speaking on this issue? Yeah, this is really important, and I actually think this is key to progress that has been made so far, which is that the issue has been, um, or for a long time, the issue of climate change was framed as an issue of science and expertise. It was people talking to us about terrifying scientific projections. Um, It was Al Gore with his graph that was kind of banded around a a bit, but most people didn't really know what it actually meant um, because we don't really think in terms of, you know, data and science. And it can create a distance between people and the reality of the the issue and and the scale of the threat Um, because it, it was felt to be and it was presented as an issue of science. And what's happened, I think, in the last, you know, four to five years um, particularly has been that climate change has been reframed as an issue of people. This is a story about people. It's a story about humanity. It's a story about our responsibility towards each other um, and to particularly younger people, future generations. Um, And that is such a deeply human, inclusive story that um, I don't think anybody should be afraid to to say that they care and to say that they want to create change and that they want to be part of change. Um, And I think that where you see people communicating about this really effectively, they're speaking from the heart. They're not trying to pretend that they have all the data if they don't. Um, And they're recognising actually most people don't, you know, don't need that data. They need to hear, you know, the, 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 we know the kind of the basic science. We can, we can always learn more um, about how, Uh, the issue is working and how the science um, is working. But actually what we need to kind of keep um, reminding ourselves of is that this this is an issue of our kind of moral obligation to each other as a society, as as a global society. Um, And therefore, for me, where where people speak out really, really authentically um, from about their own motivations without trying to kind of memorize lines um, or, um, you know, say exactly the right thing, that's much, much more compelling than um, somebody who sounds like they're maybe giving you a lecture that they've, that they've, um, you know, something they've been told to say uh, that's in line with, with, with what the experts say. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. And I think like that's where so many successful examples of, of kind of, um, of like true kind of engagement on it come through those imperfect moments those conversations those those things that people have said where or you know i, I think there's this this huge huge truth to that um and it was actually brought to life quite nicely in um in don't look up where um you know when they're first going on to the kind of the terrible talk show and um they talk about the detail of the you know the science behind the the discovery they've made and you know no one cares no one's listening and it's only when they're able to kind of start speaking from the heart and um but they get very frustrated you know as, as scientists they get very very frustrated because people should listen to the science you know that's and that's I understand that that's how a lot of science communicators and lots of uh, climate scientists feel is that you know they they've, they've got this such important information but being able to recognize that for other people to hear it um, you need to present it in ways that are more about kind of human to human conversations than about sort of scientists to other scientists conversations. It's kind of fascinating, isn't it? Because it's it's rational to 
Caesar science. I mean, it would have been rational for 30, 40 years ago, 50 years ago even, for people to see the science and go, oh, okay, we'd better move away from fossil fuels then. Let's do that. And it's just a massive kind of demonstration of the fact that humans are not rational creatures. We don't we think we are we think we're yes, all logical yeah. and we you yeah. know we've got we've made these fantastic computers and we've got maths and science but that's not how we really work ultimately we we move in mysterious ways and i think probably the work you're doing is trying to work with how humans really are as opposed to how we would like to be which is these fantastically rational creatures but you've um, just explained my job um, better than I think anyone has for hate. But that's exactly it is, um, you know, and there's that, that, that quote that the definition of madness is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. Um, you know, if we, if we try to win this on the basis of kind of pure, hard reason and logic, um, we, we're really not learning the lesson of, of you know, and there's, and there's good science behind communication as well. You know, there's, mm. there's, there's psychology, sociology, political science. They're all kind of telling us the same thing, really, which is that we need to understand how people actually interpret information in the world around them rather than communicate and expect things to happen in, a, in the way that we wish they would. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I wonder if there's something missing from the puzzle of how we tell the story of climate change as a story is it because we don't have a beginning middle and end yet is it because the we don't see the earth as a living organism is it i don't know it's there's there's something it feels like it's kind of missing from from the story arc of how do you really get it into people's hearts and hearts and minds is such a horrible expression but you know what i mean yeah i i i I do, and I use it all the time because it kind of is what this is about, you know. And it's, it's heart, <laughs> yeah. heart, hearts first, and minds will follow. Um, the yeah, in terms of what's missing, I think that you know you you struck on it with the kind of the Earth is a living organism thing. I think what we can struggle to um, uh, to, to 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 feel um, as well as think is the interconnection between. Um, you know, us as human beings, the life that we lead, um, especially if we live in kind of urban areas, and the environment as something that is, um, you know, deeply and inextricably connected to to us. And I think that um, this is something that communications can help um, people to reconnect with. So people to think, um, actually, it's all, you know, because I think for a long time, the environment, it's the same thing as my kind of Al Gore point, that the environment was sort of presented as something that was over there um, mm. rather than something that was kind of in and around and everything to us. Um, so one of one of our principles is to um, use kind of health language and, and body imagery um, to allow people to, um, to connect, um, you know, not just their own health with the health of the planet, but different aspects of you know the planetary systems and how they connect with each other um because people can can recognize that you know in a human body if you've got a problem with your back it can manifest itself uh, mm. in a problem with your knee and vice versa so if we can actually talk about how you know problem with the health of our oceans um has a knock-on impact on the health of the climate and vice versa and um, that allows people to to just see this as one yeah one big 
living, breathing, interconnected entity rather than um, something that is, is over there and therefore doesn't matter. Nikki, I have a feeling that on this series of Sounds Like a Plan, we're going to be talking quite a bit about the sort of post-COP26 moment to, to keep the sort of, yeah, I guess the pace behind the issue going and not let it go away, not let it disappear again. Just interested to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think it is, it's everyone's responsibility to keep the momentum and keep the kind of conversation going um, and not to be distracted um, and, and, and kind of, but I think the signs are there that that won't happen. And I think that we need to expect um, from each other that we are committed to to keeping talking about this, to keeping the conversation going in all its forms. And the signs I see from the broadcasters um, are really encouraging. You know, there's genuine commitment. Um, we've worked with, with, with quite a few of the, 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 the major broadcasters who... Um, who are desperate to do more in the way of not just kind of climate storytelling that's kind of a story that is about climate change or focused on climate change, whether it's, um, you know, entertainment or um, documentary, but also to bring in the reality of climate change to other stories. So we saw the the soaps, um, you know, feature climate change in the run-up to, to COP26. And I know there's appetite for, for more of that. Um, and part of the reason that they're doing that is that they, um, you know, they know they have a responsibility to do it from, uh, from, from you know, from their expertise and the, the experts that they listen to, but also because they know that people want it. People care. You know, the research is really clear that more than 80% of the public in the UK um, knows there's a climate crisis and wants more action to tackle it. And they're crying out for um, institutions and, you know, businesses and, and, and other other kind of leaders in our society to, um, to, 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 to do their bit, which includes talking about it. So some polling I saw um, showed that people you know, specifically expressly want to see more action um, and, and more conversation led by um, broadcasters. So I think, that, um, I think that that will happen, it needs to happen. And I think that you know, the creative industries have, um, so there's so much potential here. Um, it's not a kind of just a question of, you know, you really ought to be doing this. It's, you know, as we sort of touched on talking about don't look up, it's it's really fruitful creatively. Um, it's hard, but there's a lot we can do with this and a lot we need to do with this. Um, so I'm really excited to see how um, the different ways that will emerge for, 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 to help us keep talking about it and keep addressing it um, in the ways that we talk about it. Mm. You know, the mainstream has moved when it when it comes to climate change you know in the space of a few years it's gone, gone from being something that was fairly niche to being something that is mainstream um and i think sometimes uh people who are most active on talking about climate change and um acting on climate change haven't quite caught up with the extent to which other people are worried and engaged and um there's an appetite, a really mainstream public appetite for change. So they're still in the mode of kind of, as I was saying, you know, we've just got to tell those people how bad it is. Well, actually, no, most people know now, most people know that this this is a huge issue and that action needs to happen. So we need to kind of evolve the story and get to the next stage of the story, which is all about the kind of action and the potential and the possibility. Um, and that's not to say that we're all, <laughs> you know, we're all every member of the public is now a climate scientist and everyone knows everything there is to know. But it's just to say, I think the, the dial has shifted. Um, so we now have a very different task, which is all about 
the bit that happens next, not the kind of inciting incident um, in, in a story. It's about kind of what comes next. Climate's being dragged into the culture wars and how do you overcome that it being politicised and sort of screamed about, let's say, um, or, de- or it being divisive, really? How, do, how is it? How do you make it for everybody? So I would say that the, um, the numbers of people who are attempting to drag climate into the culture wars are actually pretty small and I would say unlikely to be successful um, provided we don't give them the oxygen to do that. Um, mm. And it's related to what I was saying before about this is mainstream. It is normal to care. It is far from normal to now deny that climate change is a problem or that we should should act on it. Um, we are the normal ones and therefore we need to keep our um, action and our conversations focused on that. And the more there are kind of stories and moments of outrage that feed the idea that this is this is polarised and this is divided, the more divided and polarised it will become. Mm. So d- let's not take the bait. Let's focus on kind of the mainstream kind of majority want action. Um, let's keep the conversation going in that direction. Let's not allow this to to retreat into something where, you know, it goes a bit Brexity because I don't think that that is, um, is, is where it's at right now and I don't think it's where it needs to be at and I don't think it takes us anywhere good. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's um, it's coming for all of us. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is an issue that's going to affect every single one of us. So the ways that we talk about it need to work for, you know, for every mm. single one of us. And um, I think feeding the idea that this is divided only worsens the potential for that. But I think there's everything to play for. And I think that um, people who have been involved in, in getting this kind of mainstream um you know, concern and desire for change and appetite for change should be really proud of, um, you know, how far things have come in in the last kind of five to 10 years. You know, when I first started campaigning on climate change, probably 12 years ago, um, things were very different. And it has, mm. you know, never would have imagined a podcast like yours um, talking about this issue of how we talk about climate change. So things have moved on enormously and we need to keep progress happening. So great to have uh, Nikki with us on the first episode of this new series of the podcast. Faye, what did you make of the conversation that we had with Nikki? I absolutely love On Road Media and everything they do. And, and Nikki and Kate Llewellyn, who works with her there, are great positive forces in communicating climate. Um, it was so nice to actually just discuss um, the ins and outs of everything with Nikki. And I think we came up with some really interesting analogies and uh sort of got a little bit deep in there i think Mm, yeah definitely there was so much good stuff to come out of it what one thing that i will do in the show notes of the podcast i'll post um, a link to the six principles um uh, in terms of talking about climate that the on-road media have put together nikki mentioned it in the podcast i think she mentioned one of the principles but the rest of the stuff is really really interesting as well and and when you read it, you think, yeah, they've really nailed it. Like that is really, really useful. Um, if, 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 if you are interested in talking about climate, whether that's with your friends or family within your business or your community or whatever, it's, it's super, super useful stuff. Other stuff that I really liked about um, 
hearing from uh, uh, Nikki was interesting. She she's so fully engaged with where the sort of the public's head is at when it comes to climate change. Great to hear her say that like climate change is a sort of topic that's really front and center in terms of the mass population. Now you've said it before on the podcast, Faith, but um, you know that sense that maybe uh, maybe the science or the media were somehow like ahead of the the public in terms of that their opinions on this is 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 gone. Like need to get away from that. Like people know about this. They're 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 aware of it. Mm. So like let's move into that chapter of what this 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 story is. Let's not kind of still be in that mode where somehow climate is a is a niche topic. You know, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, maybe it's like ringing the alarm has been done and now it's that mm. like moment when the alarm I'm, I'm, the analogy here is a fire alarm so the fire alarm's going off and mm. everyone's like running around panicking because we don't have a um plan <laughs> so mm. we don't have a fire evacuation plan so what we need is a fire evacuation plan for climate change there you yeah, go absolutely. full of the analogies greg Full of the analogies. Full of the, full of the analogy. You've been on fire with the analogies <laughs> recently. Um, um, yeah, and so I thought, I thought, I thought it was great, and I, I, I liked hearing Nikki talking about framing um, and and just how how often like when we talk about climate the framing is so important because it can be the difference between you feeling really energized and inspired to do something about it and feeling completely dejected about it. So I think that's really really important. Also, we did talk a bit about climate and the culture wars and how it kind of, you know, the, the sort of developments in that area and how it, how can it be avoided that it gets dragged into that area. I almost feel like even talking about it sort of gives oxygen to the conversation, which I sort of want to avoid. I think that's um, absolutely what, what Nikki was trying mm. to say is like, I'll answer this question, but like, let's not discuss mm. this as well. This isn't, um, the more you, the more you talk about it, the more in that way, the more that that becomes a neural pathway in people's minds that it's it's in there it's it's a um it's a left right divide which absolutely isn't so um yeah that was quite interesting to hear her response to that question deep down everyone's feeling the same thing whether you're you know right wing left wing everyone's like oh shit climate change is a real big problem um so it's it's actually very unifying when you look at things like that without all of that, as you were saying earlier, without all of that culture war stuff playing a part in it. We really enjoyed hearing from Nikki on the podcast. We hope you did too. Do message us and tell us what you made of it. Like I said earlier, we are Sounds Like a Plan podcast on uh, Instagram. And you can also email us. Before we wrap up this first episode of this new series, Faye, I'd like us to do some recommendations. Have you got a recommendation for us this time? Absolutely. Well, my recommendation is go to a gig, but go to a gig locally as part of um, the Music Venue Trust and Music Declares Emergencies joint campaign, which is called the Go Local campaign. So on Earth Day, the 22nd of April, we're doing a big campaign with tons and tons of local venues around the UK, encouraging people to go to their local venue go by public transport or by foot or by bicycle. Um, it's better for the environment to go to those local venues. You also have a brilliant time because you're more likely to bump into your friends. The drinks are going to be cheaper. You're going to have a lovely time at your local venue and there'll be all sorts of special events being put on that day for Earth Day. So it will be just, you know, regular gigs, but with an extra kind of Earth Day feel. So um, look to your local venue to see if they're doing anything for the Go Local um, Earth Day, no music on a dead planet 
um, event which will be on that day. It's got two hashtags which I find it quite hard to sort of say. So it's hashtag go local, hashtag no music on a dead planet. But it's a, a joint campaign that we're running with the Music Venues Trust. And yeah, so we're, we're launching that today. Excellent. Brilliant. Brilliant. Look forward to that. My recommendation this time is a newly launched magazine called Topia. It's called Topia Magazine. And I'm obviously, I'm a journalist. I love magazines and I love kind of people making imaginative and innovative content about stuff. And I'll read you a bit about what they say about themselves. Um, In their introduction, it says, Welcome to Topia, your kaleidoscopic guide to an extraordinary world in metamorphosis, a new culture and positive impact magazine where anything goes. And basically, they've launched online recently in the last few weeks a bunch of incredible uh, articles, interviews, features, sort of opinion pieces, all put together in such a kind of thoughtful and interesting way. The tone of it is just really fun and uplifting and the design is amazing. I don't know if you've seen this, Faye, but I know that you're kind of big into the sort of visual side of things and I think you'd love the way that that Topia magazine looks. It's really, really vibrant and clever and it just like jumps off the screen. Oh, I can't wait to see it. I've written it down in my notes. I always like your recommendations, Greg. Yeah, so give them a follow go and have a look at it then uh, on social media there world of topia um, and also if you want to go and check out all the articles and everything in full it's worldoftopia.com it's absolutely brilliant you'll get lost in it for a good few hours oh and on that point lots of it is about kind of climate action <laughs> so like it's not just the general magazine yeah. tip like they're, they're kind it's not of... just like celebrity goss. exactly exactly like look, it's it's a sort of um yeah they call themselves a culture and positive impact magazine so there's loads in there uh, about kind of like innovation and people working in in the climate space so like uh, there's tons of that stuff as well so that's it for episode one of this brand new series of sounds like a plan Faye, it's brilliant to be back with you podcasting again we hope that everybody's going to be enjoying all the conversations that we're going to be bringing you over the course of the next 10 weeks so thank you for listening and we will see you next time on the podcast thanks for streaming this episode of sounds like a plan Faye milton was your host along with me greg cochran this podcast is made by new allotment you can find more about them at newallotment.com and this episode was edited by tim cochran with more info at timothycochran.com our theme music was created by lightandthunder.com and the artwork is by stuart stubbs until the next time we're together thanks for listening